podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, and we are back. The football is back, of course, counting down two days, 19 hours and 21 minutes to go until the Russia 2018 World Cup kicks off. And uh, here on AI, we're going to be covering it for you th- throughout the tournament. Uh, uh, myself, um, Guy Drinkle, and of course, uh, Gags Tandon, the Overlord as well, will be making making some appearances as well when he can drag himself away from all the transfer tittle-tattle. But um, yeah, today we wanted to sort of kick things off uh, you know, talking about... Everything sort of, um, you know, early groups talk about who, who our favorites are, perhaps make some predictions, of course. Um, and then also just you know, as well, sort of go into more detail about, um, you know, some of the off pitch stories, on pitch stories, the, the, the real things we're going to be covering throughout the tournament, you know, who's going to get golden boot, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, thanks for joining us on this sort of journey right at the start of it, of course. And, um, on the pod, uh, this week and, uh, and to help us kick things off, of course, this week, we've got Tom Holmes here. Uh, Tom, great to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be on. Um, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. It's one of those things, the World Cup, where you kind of, for months beforehand, you go, don't really care, don't really care, don't really care. Liverpool are playing a Champions League final next week. I can't think about anything else. Oh, suddenly the Premier League season's over and suddenly there's a lot of international football to look forward to. All of a sudden, I care quite a lot. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. It should be good. Yeah, of course. I, I, I've certainly felt that well as well. I think obviously, we had the distraction of the Champions League final. That doesn't happen every day. Um, but I, yeah, I think I've just recently got myself into the mood. And I think horribly, I think it was watching elements of soccer raid last night that finally got me into it. I was like, I can't really bear to watch Oli Mers kick a ball around for much longer. I, I, no, I'm craving some football here. Guy, how about you? Have, have you been gradually getting yourself into the mood? You're looking forward to seeing some of these Liverpool players again for the first time since that? God, Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, anything to get rid of that memory. But do you know what I'm looking forward to most, Harry? Is those proper awful games where it's like Morocco versus Iran. It, it's obviously so. It's such a big game for them because it can be the difference between getting out of a group or whatever. <laughs> it's obviously just going. It should be awful, but it'll probably be one of those games that turns mental. That's <laughs> what I like about the World Cup. There's always those teams that you'll never see, especially all, all three of us. But probably watch England predominantly on an international front because that's what gets crammed down our throat um, during international breaks. So, yeah, it, it's nice seeing these random countries that we'll probably rarely see. So, yeah, that's what I like about the World Cup. It's just so random to begin with and then obviously it just gets better as the tournament goes on. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and anything to fill the days, really, without uh, the, the Premier League about. Yeah, and of course, obviously there are the favourites. Obviously there are the big name players that everyone comes to see at these tournaments. But I think you mentioned there. I mean, even in, in those some of the really you know dire sort of drab games that you see amongst some of the smaller nations, it is a huge, huge thing for some of them. Of course, Iceland, you know, come to the World Cup, it's almost a staggering achievement. Some of the smaller nations as well, or some of the nations that have qualified again for the first time in you know what seems like ages. Egypt, of course, Salah, you know, masterminding that sort of. Uh, qualification for them as well, and then getting injured, and you know how much of an impact he's going to have, how much of a role he's, is he going to have. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll he'll make his way onto the pitch miraculously. I'm sure there's some sort of placenta being passed around, some sort of change room, 
amongst some of the international camps. But what we want to do today, guys, then is uh, before we go sort of group by group and maybe talk about the the main sort of narratives from that group and then talk about general things, I guess, towards the end in terms of the the players we think are going to have uh, you know, particularly great tournaments, the players to watch out for, maybe some some predictions about you know overall winners. Um, or maybe some big shocks, something like that, is um, just generally, guys, wanted to ask you how you're feeling about this World Cup, what your overarching memory um, of the World Cup is. Guy, come to you on that. Um, yeah, World Cups, I think as I grew up, they've progressively got more boring, which isn't great, because it, my first memory of the World Cup is 2002, watching it in primary school, and that, that's the one where Ronaldinho um, lobbed David Seaman with that free kick. <laughs> So that it it was I, I was a weird kid, so I think I was actually supporting Brazil. Um, I can't really say that now because I supported Hungary at the last Euros because a keeper had jogging bottoms on, which is enough reason for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, the World Cup. I mean, the first first one, as I said, two thousand and two, um, and that 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 just seemed really exciting to me. And then as as I've kind of grown up, I think this may be natural for all um, all football supporters, and maybe something especially for Liverpool supporters, international football just doesn't really click with me anymore. Uh, I obviously always watch the World Cup, but I'm not exactly a big England fan, to, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, I always enjoy watching them, but I don't really get emotionally invested in them. But it, as as I said in the in, in the intro bit, it's so good having football back. And I like, I like those little stories, like when a team that shouldn't get out of the group doesn't any kind of root for them. Um, but no, I haven't really got a team to support. That's the weird thing. I mean, I got the Germany green kit because, well, look at it. It's beautiful. And I got Iceland in the sweepstick and, like, Nigeria's kit. So I've got, like, three teams there I'm kind of rooting for. But Iceland can win me money, so I've got to support Iceland, I think. Yeah, Nigeria kit. Oh, fantastic. I mean, there's. I mean, I think, I think that's something that always sort of gets the early buzz going for me, actually. Sort of the, oh, yes. Looking at the kits, and there, and there, there are some, some fantastic... If you've not seen Japan's this year as well, <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a corker. I mean, it's going to be probably horrible when they do crash out or something, or, or something like that, but there's always shocks in these tournaments. Um, Tom, how about you then? What, what's your overarching memory of, I guess, World Cups? I've got two or three. The sort of the first the first World Cup I can pro- like guy I kind of remember O two but I kind of remember O two because O two was kind of before I was properly into football so it was one of those kind of in the fog background of my mind. The O six final was obviously a phenomenal final. Um, I watched that with an Italian fan, so that was a that was a proper proper moment for me. Twenty ten wasn't quite so good. Twenty ten in my head, I just the entire time I went through the twenty ten World Cup thinking, well, Spain are going to win, so it doesn't really matter. And then obviously they did. Um, 2014, I think, for me, the big my big sort of World Cup moment is the 7-1. It's one of those sort of iconic moments where I, I kind of, I didn't really like Brazil. I think a lot, like a lot of English fans, I don't really like Brazil that much. They kind of annoy me a bit. They have a very sort of Man United feel about them on the international stage where they're just a bit too full of themselves and they just expect a bit too much. So for Germany to do that to them was just, just special for me. I really, I, I like Germany quite a lot. They're one of the international teams that I, I do quite like. Um, for a multitude of reasons, so to watch Germany do that to Brazil was just was just a kind of a special moment. It was it was one you could really appreciate as a neutral, which is something that World Cup finals don't necess- World Cup finals tournaments don't necessarily always get. Um, but that seven one is kind of my predominant World Cup memory, and I hope we see something of that level of just sheer. This is a like this is a World Cup semi final, and and they're making it look like a Sunday league game, 
And this is one of two of the best teams in the world going at each other. And it's it's just not what anyone expected. And I kind of hope we get that kind of... Obviously, I hope we don't necessarily see a 7-1 in a Champions League in a World Cup semi-final, sorry. But I am looking forward to that kind of that shock value that sort of nobody was expecting this. Yeah, for sure. I think there's always some some really shocking moments. That 7-1, of course, being... Just the fact that it was it was it was in Brazil. It's just, it's just staggering sort of emotional impact there. And, and there were some players. I think I was always thinking back to Thiago Silva among, you know, from that game and just how many collapses he's been involved with, both for club and country. Uh, it, it, it must be a pretty scarring sort of thing to go through. And uh, I, I remember at the time, obviously, you know, with Coutinho being one of ours, you know, him not being involved, I was pretty delighted about that. Um, of course, we have got Bobby to watch this year, so perhaps there'll be a little bit more. Of a sort of affection towards the likes of Brazil, but um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of places to keep your minds on and keep your eyes on, of course. But um, I think for me, I think if we echo your point, uh, guy. I mean, the romance for me was sort of lost a while ago. I lost faith in sort of the, the England setup. wasn't particularly connected to it in the first place. But then, just I don't know, Hodge just destroyed it for me. <laughs> just, just gr- gr- yeah, that that's kind of when me. it died, wasn't it? Eroded especially, me especially when the injured storage. That was the one that really oh. killed me. It was like. Just testing his character was it? Yeah, testing his yeah, got something that's really stupid like that. But um, yes, it's taken a while. I think I think this bunch of players actually are quite likable in terms of how open and honest they are. So hopefully there's um something to be enjoyed about watching those games. Maybe they'll be a little bit more adventurous in than we perhaps saw beforehand. But um, yeah, you mentioned there as well, sort of World Cups that you see changing sort of styles, tactical battles that go on that sort of tell you about where football is at that at that particular year in that particular moment and I blame Mourinho for sort of the advent of the incredibly conservative sort of football we've seen in, in, in recent World Cups but um, my last sort of overarching impression of World Cups is just 2010 as well with the Vuvuzelas where he just couldn't oh, hear God. anything <laughs> it's just, it's both like brilliant in terms of celebrating the culture of course and then also after a while like, no I genuinely can't hear, can't hear anything but um, anyway Shabalala guys, as well that opening game of that oh, World Cup. What, was it Sh- oh, that was, Shabalala, wasn't it? Yeah, that goal. Yeah, that was a worldie. Amazing. Yeah, an amazing way to kick off. And in fact, that you actually brings me on to something else I'm looking forward to as well as the celebrations. I'm looking forward to lots of coordinated celebrations. Can't wait to see it. Um, and uh, I think an, an early prediction I made with a mate of mine is that Griezmann, uh, for no apparent reason this prediction has been made, but Griezmann is going to injure himself doing that fortnight celebration, so it's, it's, it's going to be great. But um, Sterling has to get his leg involved in oh a celebration. God, get the leg as a gun. Oh, it'd be so fantastic! Can't wait. Um, but anyway, to move from the off, off pitch issues to the on the pitch issues um, and go group by group, then uh, guy, I thought we just sort of take a group each, I guess. But um, uh, to start with Group A, then and um, Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and and Uruguay, and uh, of course. Russia, Saudi Arabia, the first game that's going to be kicking us off, um, just two days from now. And, um, plenty, you know, plenty to discuss about that game, I'm sure, in terms of both the, the football and off the pitch stuff. But, um, what do you make of that group then, Tom? If you come into that group first, then, I mean, we look at it. Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Uruguay. Some real big stars in there, but also you look at it and think, surely Egypt and perhaps Uruguay to progress, maybe? I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? It's a bit of a NAF group, really. Um, that's one of the downsides of having the hosts be a top seed. You don't necessarily always get the best quality group. Uh, and this is a really, really easy group for Russia. It's just a shame that from from Russia's perspective, they're probably not going to get out of it. 
Um, they've got a shot, which, to be fair to them, if they were in a, a better group, they wouldn't be. And if they were being seeded as they should be, they could have been in somewhere like Group B, and then they would have been just dead on dead on arrival. Um, what I would say is, I think, obviously, I think Uruguay favourites to top that group for a reason. You would comfortably expect Uruguay to walk that group. Um, Saudi Arabia should really finish bottom of it. Um, Russia have probably got an all-round marginally stronger team than Egypt, but what Egypt have is Egypt have that wild card in Mo Salah, who obviously we're all hoping to go and have a, a brilliant World Cup. I think, you know, no Liverpool fans want to see Salah crash out early. Um, I think we, we all want to see him have a good World Cup for his sake more than anything else, because with a lot of Liverpool players, we kind of want them to come home nice and early. There's that sense of, even with, you know, with players like Hendo, even someone like Trent, it's just like, you know what, just come home already. Um, but with someone like Salah, who, you know, we saw what it means for him to get there. So for him to have a brilliant World Cup would be phenomenal. I, I can't see Egypt getting past the last 16 stage, but if they if they can get out of the group, if they can finish second, if they can beat the Russians on their own on their own toil turf, sorry, I think that would be a that would be a decent World Cup for Egypt, especially given that it's been so long since they made it there. And then who knows? You know, you never know what could happen in the last 16 stage. But from Egypt's perspective, I think they sh- they've got to be looking at. Uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia and thinking, you know what, we've got a good shot of coming second in this group behind Uruguay. Yeah, for sure. And Guy, looking at that group as well, I, mean, I remember when I first looked at it as well, just, just thinking about sort of general predictions for the tournament as a whole, I was just looking at Saudi Arabia and I've sort of seen, seen a few friendlies before um, and just thought to myself, I, I wonder if Suarez could potentially rack up some goals and get himself on the way to perhaps the you know, unexpected golden boot shout here in terms of yeah, we know he scores goals in, in most of the games he plays. And uh, Saudi Arabia, they did look a little bit shocking, actually. Last, last time I did see them in a friendly. And um, you know, Uruguay they potentially have a really great chance of progressing here. Top of the group. Egypt, I think, as Tom mentioned there, you know, the star impact of Mo Salah. You know, how much more of a role is he going to have this year in terms of uh, inspiring uh, them to you know, more glory at the World Cup? As he mentioned, it's, it's sort of tough to imagine how far they can go. Um but what do you make of this group? I mean, are, are Russia in trouble of having an anticlimactic World Cup here? They could you know, just not make it out of the group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think it was probably it was probably two thousand eight ish when I think it was when Zagoyev a whole of it because he was he was seen as the big Russian star coming yeah, through yeah. and. It, He's he's the only one who, who I can think of, and I think they've got Cherishev, or however you pronounce it. He's, he was literally linked with us every every single window. Um, I think it was Kenny and um, uh, Brendan back then. We, we seem to be linked with him, but no, I mean, Russia's, it, as Tom said, they've kind of been fortunate in getting a weak group because I'm, I'm not sure where they are in the seasons, but they, they seem to have just been getting older and older and older, and then this, this core of of players who were okay to begin with just seem to be old and slow now and I can't I, I, there is there seemingly isn't a Zagoyev this time where there isn't that spark of magic young talent coming through I mean I'm not I'm not sure how <laughs> how their numbers are in um in in the Russian league but no they just they just got nothing there that seems to be exciting and I may we may have the more Salah blinkers on here but it seems to be between Egypt and Russia, and as, as you said, Saudi Arabia. They should be the bottom bottom team in this group, and then it's just who may it may even got a goal difference. I'm not sure how the group goes, but yeah, I mean, it's just Egypt have that that star quality that Russia don't. Where Russia just seem a, probably 
a slow defensive team and Uruguay, I mean, I, I made my fantasy football team today and I, I went for Cavani rather than Suarez because I think he just scores goals where Suarez will <laughs> make them. He'll do everything else and Cavani will probably score them. But yeah, I, I, I was thinking with you, Uruguay should should rack up goals in the, in this group because, well, e- Egypt have Salah, but I mean, the only other, the only other player I can think of is Hagazi and his most famous moment for for me is where he punched. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Uruguay should walk this group, and I'd I'd put I'd bet on Egypt because they have a bit of star quality. The only question mark there is how fit Mo Salah is. I mean, I imagine you've seen that footage of where the fan touches his shoulder. Um, and yeah, then he kind of get he kind of gets escorted away, um, so maybe he's not feeling that well that well. So we might not see him till the uh, second game. But I think they've got Uruguay first, so that might not be the worst thing. Yeah, I'm telling you, elephant placenta. We're we're gonna see <laughs> we're gonna see more. Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola will have someone in the World Cup dealing. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so <laughs> Uruguay there as well. I, I think one of the things I'm thinking about with them. Um, and you mentioned Cavani there, probably a good shout. Is just in the back of my head, I'm just wondering: is is Andy Townsend involved with this World Cup? Is he commentating? Because he's oh just one of those players, you know, just like Zlatan. Is oh, oh yeah, Cavani, he doesn't do it for me. He doesn't. I, I can't <laughs> wait for there to be a game that's on live TV and Cavani to score some sort of hat trick or something like that. Because as you know, he, he can be prolific, especially for um, the international side in these bigger tournaments. He just had a sort of shocker of a couple of America a couple of years ago, but. Um, yeah, I think I think you guys are right there. Uruguay um, and Egypt, if we're going with our hearts, maybe. But maybe Russia will somehow sort of your home nation find a way to progress as well. But you'd imagine Saudi Arabia going to struggle there. But um, onto the Group B then. I mean, wait, Iran, Morocco, Portugal, and a uh, little nation of Spain there as well. So, I mean, first of all, Portugal and Spain, that's going to be great fun uh, Morocco and Iran as well in terms of just you know, historic you know, moments to, to, to arrive at World Cup and uh, I think we all, all remember sort of that was it Iran who put in that heroic showing against Argentina in the last World Cup where it I think so yeah held on for ages and ages Carlos Queres was the was the coach I believe and just held it, holding on for so long until of course Messi turned up but um, Guy I, mean, I guess starting with you there what do you what do you make of that group what's the narrative there it's it's a weird one because well Spain should be the dominant force in this group. I mean Portugal obviously came off the Euros win, but I mean let's be honest, it wasn't that impressive, was it? It was it was one of the worst ways I've seen a team win in the Euros. I mean that's coming from someone from England, so I've never seen my team win the Euros. But didn't Portugal not win a game in ninety minutes or something in in the whole knockout stages of the tournament? So I'm not really I'm not really impressed by Portugal and they seem to Normal time's ma- overrated. Normal time is overrated. You, you, you don't yeah. want to do that. You don't want to do it's all, that. it's all about penalties nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> um but no, Portugal, I mean they seem to be in kind of transition moving away. I know Cristiano Ronaldo still a a bloody freak, but they're obviously moving away from, well, it was Ricardo Carvalho and Pepe and stuff like that. And I think Pepe still starts from, but you see that Guedes, who's obviously been linked with us, Bernardo Silva, um, well, Renato Sanchez was their big, was their big hope. Um, but they, they seem to be kind of stuck between the old guard and, and the young blood. So maybe, maybe they'll 
not screw off this tournament, but they'll use it to bring through a new crop. But I think they've still got the manager from the uh, from the Euros, who was basically like just another version of Jose Mourinho, but probably yeah. more boring. So, Fernando Santos. Yeah, yeah he, I'm not he, expecting this guy. <laughs> I'm not expecting them to set set this tournament alight. Um, Spain, Spain are weird. They've kind of, as Tom said, his his um, memory of the 2010 World Cup was just Spain are going to win it, and yeah, they did. But since kind of like Puyol, Puyol's retired and stuff like that, they've not really been the same out there, and they've seen the struggle since Del Bosque left. So, so they they've kind of been um, in in transition themselves. So maybe they've maybe they've started to settle a bit more and. Maybe can get Costa into the Spain setup a bit more. Obviously, he's back with Atletico, so he might be more set. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the new manager style of play compares to the to the classic four three three. But you see, talented like Isco and Asensio and Coke and Saul and well, basically the Barca, Real and Atletico Madrid team. <laughs> um, but they probably have one of the most talented squads in the tournament, and maybe they're maybe underappreciated. I know Brazil and Germany are favourites, I think, so maybe Spain are an outside bet. But the other two, uh, I think Morocco, the highest seeded um, African team, which was a surprise to me. Um, the only player I could think of is Tarat, who's a who's a led one of those weird players like Ben Arfa, who's like magic for a minute and then dog shit for ten games, um, and then Iran, as you said, they had. Um, so some heroic performances in the last World Cup, but I, I'm I'm not going to pretend to even know an Iranian player. Um, but no, I mean I think Morocco versus Iran that obviously a huge game because if Portugal are as defensive defensive as they were in the Euros, they may sneak a draw or something like that. So say if Morocco beat Iran, they could easily sneak in the second for me. So I think Spain should dominate this, um, but then. Portugal should finish second, but Morocco may be tricky customers if they're, if they're as good as the seeding. Mm, yeah, of course, some, some really big players in this group, of course, in terms of some of the big names that we're used to sort of marvelling at, at these sorts of tournaments. Are, you know, I guess you're wondering that question as to whether they're past it, whether they can still have the influence that they that they once had. Ronaldo, of course, we, we all saw in that Champions League final, he had far, far less of an influence than we perhaps expected. Of course, with Spain, um, I noticed Guy left him out there and you know, I think it's so we can highlight him now Tom but of course 34 matches 22 goals and 5 assists in in the Premier Division in the, in, in Spain this season Yago Aspas he's, uh, he's, he's at the World Cup this year and um, <laughs> you know, didn't, didn't quite have the effect he had at Liverpool but you know, I think, I think we, we've all been proven I mean just like Luis Alberto as well these, these players who don't quite make it in the you know, Premier League go somewhere else and you go back to Spain, you know, scoring goals for fun. Uh, you look at this Spain team, and you just some of the names there. You look at Iniesta, Silva, Busquets, um, uh, you know, even the even the likes of you know, Costa, to be honest, and um, Alcantara. Even some of the defenders as well. You, if you look at PK and those guys, Ramos. I don't even love to mention him, but um, there are players there who you know, this could be the last World Cup, really. You know, realistically, you know, have they got one more big showing in them? Do you think? I think they do. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is Spain. This is realistically this incarnation of Spain's uh, be- last trial World Cup for a lot of these players. Um, I do. I mean, obviously, we know Spain are going to be back next year. Spain are one of those countries that just seem to have a constant cycle of talented young players. So I don't. You know, nobody's expecting Spain to go away. But this Spain team, this incarnation of the Spain team, yeah, I think this is their last shot. And the more, the closer we get to the World Cup, the more I fancy them. Um, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I probably would have said the Germans, but 
with everything going on with Germany, I mean, we'll come to them in a minute. I really fancy this Spanish team. There's a lot of talent in that team. The big question with this Spain team over the last four or five years has been, are they capable of turning uh, the domination that they're inevitably going to have into goals? Because this is a Spain team that at times in the last few tournaments have just run into a brick wall. We saw it against yeah. Italy again um, in the Euros. They just, they dominate, they dominate, they dominate, but they've got a donkey of a striker who can't put the ball in the back of the net. They um, became a sort and, of a parody of themselves at times, didn't they? It was, it was sort of sterile domination. I mean, they, yeah, they're, um, they are, the problem with Spain was that for so long in the, they've been sort of, to almost to their detriment, they've been sort of tagged with the sort of the Barcelona tag. Like in so many, mostly because a lot of those players are, are from Barcelona but the sort of the same style, the same attitude. They were basically trying to copy Guardiola. And to an extent, it, I mean, it, when it worked, it works. But when it stopped working, it stopped working. And they, they didn't, they were not, they haven't been able to find an answer to that question of, if you're that dominant, how, how do you score the goals? Because you've got players like David Silva, Iniesta. Um, those are probably the main two. Fabregas obviously doesn't play for them as much anymore. He's not in the World Cup squad. But you've got those, those calibre of players who you kind of think they are phenomenal players. But who's going to be scoring the goals in that side? Iniesta is a phenomenal player, but he's the sort of player who will not necessarily score loads of goals himself, but create chances for others. David Silva, exactly the same. Phenomenal playmaker. One of the best in the world at what he does. But you've got to have someone good enough to put the ball on the back of the net. And they're both used to playing with players who are of, a, of the same calibre to them. You know, David Silva's used to playing with the likes of Sergio Aguero, who if you put, you know, you give him a half chance, he'll, he'll bury it. Iniesta is used to playing with the likes of Messi and Suarez. You know, you give them half chance, they'll bury it. Um... What I would say is that I'm a big fan of Diego Costa. Um, it has been a long time since we've seen Diego Costa really at his best for Spain. And I think the problem is Diego Costa didn't work in the... It was 2014 World Cup. I think Diego Costa just didn't really work as a Spanish striker. They haven't been able to um, integrate someone into that system properly for a while now. And I don't think the players they've got are necessarily as good as they used to be. That's part of the issue. Some of those players, I mean, they're still phenomenal players, but have they got what it takes to score the goals. I mean, that's the big question. Um, I still think this Spain team is good enough. I think Diego Costa on paper is good enough. Um, I think they'll walk this group. They they really should. Um, I think Portugal are, as we've said, I think Portugal are a team of, team that find a way, which is ever the case when you've got someone like Cristiano Ronaldo in your side. Um, but I don't think they'll get as, as fortunate to an extent as they did in the Euros. Um, I think they should get out of the group. I mean, really, this is the sort of group where, on paper, it's a clear one, two, three, four. It's a tough one because I genuinely, I'm really, really interested in this group because I think Portugal could go either way. They really could. They could grind out a result against Spain. I think they're the sort of team that are really well set to do it, that are really well organised, that do not, that are very, very hard to break down. That, for me, will be a big test of both those teams, Portugal versus Spain, because it will be a big test of whether Spain have got what it takes to break down the sort of stereotypical side that we can see are Spain's weakness, a team that are really, really... Uh, well organized, strong defensively, not going to be easy to break down and have individual quality capable of hurting Spain's defense. And on the other hand, we'll see whether Portugal have got what it takes to to still mix it up with the big boys. We'll see whether this Portugal side are good enough to go and really go deep into the tournament because really they can't. This is the World Cup. It's not the Euros. There's a lot of quality teams in the Euros, but the, the level of quality is a step up on it when you get to the world cup because there are more quality group teams and portugal are in the top half yeah. and the top half of the draw is stacked absolutely stacked portugal if put realistically if portugal wants to get to the final they're probably going to have to beat uruguay france and um i think brazil in the semi-finals but i'll be making that one up but, but you take my point portugal have got to do a lot of hard work yeah job done 
Easy. Easy for them. Yeah. Um, um, and as, as for Morocco and Iran, just quickly, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, either of their, I don't I don't think anyone's expecting either of them to do anything, but they've both got the capability of hurting Portugal if Portugal don't turn up. So either of them could nick second. It'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, I think just from a personal point of view, would have no problem whatsoever with either Morocco, yeah, Medi Benetia inspired, or whoever it might be from those teams, and, uh, and Iran as well. Uh, I do remember the heroic efforts, uh, the heroic efforts of the last campaign. And, and we should point out as well, I mean, some of these nations, whilst they don't, they're not littered with the stars of, of you know, either Portugal or Spain, especially. I mean, we've seen before it's international football more than ever. It's really about uh, the unit and what you can do, and, and teams that are. You know, become more than the sum of their parts, really, but based upon just your know, organisation, um, sort of determination for each other. So it, it, it's fascinating to see, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be upset whatsoever if they if they snatch that second place away from Portugal. But just like yourselves, I would expect Spain to do the business. And yeah, I do I do think that they they seem a good shout if they can just figure out how to sort out that that problem up top, which has been the issue that's plagued them for a long time in terms of technical ability. It's all there, but um, onto Group C and uh, Australia, Denmark, France, of course, and uh, and Peru. Um, Guy, coming to you here. So uh, you've got the Aussies, you've got, you've got Denmark, you know, some big players, and I think in all of these teams, really, even P- Peru and France. You know, France, of course, littered with talent. Uh, plenty of people sort of wondering what they're going to do. This is this going to be their tournament? You know, where all these young, talented players click, or is there a lack of leadership, etc.? Denmark, Christian Eriksen, of course, Australia. Um, is it Yedinak's going to inspire them to? I'm not, I'm not sure going to glory, glory here. Peru, of Harry course. Kuehl. Harry Kuehl, of course. Peru. Yeah, uh, Farfan is the only player that actually comes to mind immediately. But there are um, actually some gorgeous goals from them as well. I think everyone, everyone would have seen that video online of them scoring some of the beautiful, beautiful goal. But um, what do you feel about this group? Is it, is, is the story going to be all about um, France and, and whether they click properly, and then maybe a shootout between the rest of those three? Yeah, I think so. I mean, France is obviously the the big team in there because I think squad wise they probably do have the best squad in the tournament. Um, it's probably between them and Germany. Um, but as you said, I mean the the bottle the bottled the Euros. Let's be honest, the proper bottled that because the, the, as we said, we were play, they were playing that Portugal team who, who weren't that impressive, and it was in the home nation. So it would see if this this extra two years has has helped them gel as a team and stuff like that. But you, you see similarities with some of the problems that have the players have at mm. um, club level. Um, France seem to can't can't get the best out of Pogba. Maybe, maybe you just got to start questioning how good Pogba actually is, stuff like that. Um, fitting in Usman Dembele, um, Lamar, uh, Mbappe, Griezmann, it, someone's going to be left out and be unhappy, I, I imagine. So it, it's about balancing that team and there's no Moussa Sissoko this time. So, I mean, what's the point? Sissoko's <laughs> um, so not there to bail them out. Of course, no. there's that, that little little story, um, I guess we should focus on a little bit of that player, Nabil Fakir. He'll be there as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a weird one because uh, as Liverpool fans, we don't know. We, I'm, I don't know how to feel about it now. Um, I don't know what to believe, what narratives to believe, and can I back him as a future red now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I'd quite like France to do well anyway because a, a, a group that talented, they should they should be doing well and they should play some beautiful football. But there is question marks about Deschamps and stuff like that. I mean. 
I imagine if Koscielny was fit, he'd probably be a starting centre-back, which would probably speak volumes. <laughs> um, but yeah, France should absolutely batter this group. Let, let's not joke about it. I know France have bottled some World Cups in the past, but they, no, no, they, they just simply can't. They've got the, pretty much the perfect group and they've got such a talented squad. But with the rest of them, um, I think it should be between Denmark and Peru. I mean, Australia, I mean, the only one I can think of is Matty Ryan, but he's a goalkeeper. What, what, what's Cahill's, he going to do? Cahill's turned up again. Oh, God, yeah. He's, he always scores a worldie. Yeah, doesn't he? He <laughs> guarantee, guarantee is going to be a ridiculously good guy. Yeah, absolutely. If he scores another like thirty-yard thunder bastard volley, it'll do me. I imagine it'll do Australia, all of Australia as well. Um, but Peru, similarly to you, I mean, I only know um, Farfad, and I think West uh, Watford had a had a winger on loan, Carrillo, I think his name was. Uh, that's the only ones I can think of. I know they have a beautiful kit as well, so that'll do me. Um, Denmark, um, no Nicholas Bentner. I mean. Again, similarly, Moussa Sissoko, what's the point? Um, what's the point of them being there? Um, but Christian Eriksen, um, I think they put out Ireland, didn't they? Or was that, that was something else? But yeah, I think that I remember them battering Ireland did, in, yeah. in a playoff. So yeah, they, should, they seem to be able to impress. But I think Peru versus Denmark is it, for second place is probably the one. Um, and I think getting, getting out the group for both them teams would be a very good achievement. I think Peru... Or like quite high in the rankings. I think they're like top ten for a little bit. I know that because South America rankings are different and more more um, worthy of points and stuff like that. But Peru versus Denmark, it should be for second place. But if France don't top this group, I mean, they should probably sack Deschamps and replace him with Enger between the knockout stages. <laughs> yeah, of course, Tom. I mean, I think there's so much debate about France, and they are one of the big stories of this World Cup, just because you look through the squad and there is such a litany of talent. I mean, even from right at the back, you're talking Lloris Mandanda, um, you know, you've got Rami and Titi Varane, Sidibe, Mendy, you know, uh, who else have we got here? Matuidi and Zonzi, Pogba, Kante, Lamar, Fakir, Tolisso. Uh, let's not mention Giroud. No, no, obviously Giroud, Griezmann, uh, Tovan, Dembele, Mbappe. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's so much talent there in that squad. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's about how to harness it, I guess. And um, are we going to see, you know, Taliso take Pogba's place. Are we going to see some big calls here in this tournament from Deschamps? I think lots of people looked at last time, uh, the Euros and the bottle job. I mean, did it happen because there was a lack of consistency, a lack of fluidity and faith from the manager? What's your opinion on sort of this French squad? I mean, talent's not a question really, is it? It, it, it is about the mentality. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying the, the talent in that squad, and, it, and sometimes it's it's easy to kind of look at a squad and go say they should be winning things. But at the international stage, over such a short space of time, over such a short period of games, it really is the managers that win you the tournaments. We've seen this time and time again on the international stage. Um, I don't think this French side are together enough. I don't think this French side are able to get it together. They seem There always seems to be an issue behind the scenes in this French team. Always seems to be something, whether it's... whether And it, and it is unfair to necessarily blame the egos, blame the players, but there are a lot of big egos, a lot of big-name players in that side. And it... Deschamps got to start making some big calls. Deschamps has to start earning his money because it'd be very easy for someone like Deschamps just coast by on how good his players are, keep picking the big names, keep picking who he sees to be the right players. And he's made some big calls in the past. I mean, we joke about Musa Sissoko, but playing him was the right call when he played him. Um, he wasn't afraid to say, you know what, yeah, all right, Sissoko isn't the biggest name in this squad, but he's one of the most important. Um, and that's something we might, we, we'll come to them, but we, something we might see with the Germans as well. A lot of people ridicule... Uh, 
low for not picking Sane, but that might prove to be the right call. Um, for me, the issue with the French is that they 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 have this massive spin of their own hype, and they they have kind of have the problem that England's golden generation have, and that they are expected to do well, and there's no sort of time for them to figure it out. There's a lot of pressure, but no sort of cohesion there. So it's a recipe for disaster in many ways. Um, I can't see them making it past the semi-finals. I can't see them. If I'm being honest, I think they'll struggle to make the semi-finals, um, especially if they, if as I would expect, they run up against the Portugal side in the quarterfinals who have got their number mentally. So that would be a really interesting tussle. But you can't see France going to going against Portugal again and feeling good about it. So it would not surprise me um, if Portugal reached the semi-finals at France's expense. Um, in terms of the rest of the group, it's going to be interesting. I personally think Peru could be real dark horses to do well in this tournament. Um, I think they, they've got enough to beat Denmark, um, who I don't think are particularly anything special. If you take Ericsson out that side, there's nothing to shout about. Um, Ericsson is obviously a really, really talented player. Um, but the problem with sides that have got, the problem with sides that are reliant on one player is that if that player doesn't fire or something happens to him, he gets injured, yeah. the other team finds a way to work it out. Or even if the, or if the other team just plays better as a collective, um, then someone like uh, Ericsson, who is maybe a bit of a big fish, small pond, he doesn't, he, he's very, very good at scoring against teams you'd expect Ericsson to score against, but he he doesn't have that sort of big game reputation. Maybe um, Peru could see that one through. So I could see Peru making, I could see Peru making a decent fist of this tournament. I really could. Yeah. Because um, if they get through that group, they might not have to play Argentina because Argentina will come to them in a minute. They they really are a bit of a, a real question. Um and even I mean Peru played Argentina twice in the group state in the um in the Common Bowl and they didn't lose either game they drew both so I could definitely see Peru giving Argentina some issues because I think if someone is going to knock Argentina out reasonably early you would have to say it's probably going to be a South American side so I could see Peru making a decent fist this I can't see them making it past the quarterfinals because as I said the quality of that top half is absolutely staggering um and I think I don't think they'll finish it ahead of France in the group. I don't think the French will struggle that much. I could see the French dropping points in that group and I could see him going out in the last 16 or the quarters. But I don't see the French, you know, not topping the group, which for them is probably good enough to get them into the into the quarterfinals. Um, Australia, probably not much to shout about there. So yeah, um, for me, what happens with Group C is really going to depend on what happens with Group D, um, as it, as you would expect, because there's obviously there's so much to weigh up looking in deeper mm. into the tournament. But yeah, you you would for me it's France one, and I've got Peru down as number two. But Denmark could just as easily pinch that spot, although I don't think they will. Yeah, I think Peru's an interesting shout as well. I mean, because they are, I think I'm just checking sort of their form coming into this unbeaten, um, 15 match run here in, in, in terms of having not lost and uh, qualifying for the first time since 1982. So you know, they have this history on their side. It's, it's a big, big moment for them. And I think what you mentioned as well around cohesion, where we talked about with the sides that don't have particularly one massive name in them is that um, they do tend to be better units. They, they play for each other. And as you mentioned, what can happen is when big players from, teams that are sort of revolved around that one big player when they get taken out um, either of the game by an opposition's tactics or just they're injured you, know, you, you do see teams fall apart so I think Peru not a bad shout there at all so onto group D uh, Argentina Croatia Iceland huge achievement for them and Nigeria oh god the kit god the kit um, so uh, <laughs> uh, Tom I'm actually going to start with you on, on, on this one because um, you, you were talking about Argentina um there's lots of stories here. Croatia got some, plenty of good, good players in their team, of course. Iceland, the story is huge, of course. 
Um, but Argentina, it's just, I guess the question is, you know, will Messi be able to drag this team um, all the way? Because there certainly doesn't seem to be lots of cohesion about this squad. Um, the difference between Argentina and France is that Argentina have Messi. Um, Argentina are a team that are very front-heavy, which doesn't help. They've got a lot of big-name strikers who don't tend to fire international tournaments. Aguero and Higuain both historically have not done well um, in the in an Argentina shirt in big tournaments. Um, they've got a real issue with finals. But, I mean, you, you've just got to say... The, the question with Argentina is just how good is Lionel Messi? That is the question. Um, the question is how many teams in this tournament is Messi good enough to to take down on his own. Um, and that, that, that is where you've got to draw the line. Um, for me, that line gets drawn with either Brazil, Spain, or Germany. Those are the three. I think anyone else, I think I'd fancy Messi just to go and go, you know what, I'm better than you and beat them. So uh, the problem for Argentina, again, I'm going to focus on how stacked this top half of the draw is. If they get, if they get through the group top, which they should find easy enough, play either Peru or Denmark, Denmark would be a much easier side for, for Argentina to play. I think Peru, again, there's a little bit of history there. They're, Peru are quite a solid side defensively, so they might start to frustrate Argentina. Um, you would imagine Argentina would get through either of them either way. But then if they get to the quarterfinals, could Spain, Spain is the Spain is the team that are lined up to make, make the quarterfinals alongside them. So an Argentina-Spain quarterfinal, that could, easily be a, that could easily be the World Cup final. Those two teams are both on paper good enough to reach the World Cup final, and yet they've got to play each other in the quarterfinals. And you've got to say on paper, Spain are better. Um, looking at the other teams in the group, moving away from how good Messi is for a minute, um, as you say, terrific achievement for Iceland. Croatia are a really funny one, aren't they? Because every tournament, Croatia go in and it. The first couple of games, they'll play someone. I mean, we'll probably see Croatia go and beat Nigeria 3-0 or something. And everyone's like, oh, this Croatia team are really good. Look at all their really good players. Look at Modric, look at um, Rakitic, look at Perisic. This, that, and the other. You know, Croatia have got Lovely. a really talented squad and lots of really good players. And the talk, the first couple of games will be, oh, this Croatia side, look at how good they are. They've got this, that, and the other. They've got a real talent. They could really do something here. They'll get to the last 16. Everyone will be hopeful. And then the first decent team they come up against, they'll get flatlined. And I think that's exactly what will happen again. You you back Croatia to get past Iceland and Nigeria because, let's face it, Croatia are a better side than both Iceland and Nigeria. And really, this is a two, this, this shouldn't be difficult for Croatia to get through. But then they'll come up against the French, who are a better side, and the French will just steamroll them. And that's the story of Croatia every single major tournament. It happens time and time and time again. So yeah, Croatia last 16, Argentina to top the group probably, but you just don't know with Argentina because they could slip up. And if they slip up, then we've got a really, really tasty last 16 in prospect. And that's the thing, there's a couple of groups here where it only takes what because it's only three games. That's a small group stage, and it only there's two or three groups where there's only one slip-up and suddenly we've got an absolutely colossal last 16 game on our hands and Argentina is one of them. Um, all it takes is for Croatia to fire in that one game and Croatia are capable. I don't, especially in the group stages, Croatia, as I say, have got good history of turning up in the group stages. So it's entirely possible Croatia really do just go for it, somehow manage to give Argentina problems and then suddenly you've got Argentina-France in the last 16 and that, that mm. would be a really exciting last 16 game. Well, for sure, I think worth mentioning the last time Spain played Argentina, you mentioned them potentially coming up against each other again. Six-one uh, uh, victory for Spain. Obviously, it's a friendly, so very hard to judge these friendlies at times. But yeah, pretty comprehensive. Then no, 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 I, I, I feel I feel it is also fair to point out Messi wasn't playing. 
Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think we also need to talk a, bit, a little bit about Sam Pauli as, as the manager of Argentina. I think I think if he was given more time, it'd actually be quite interesting to see what he could do with that um, with that side because he has got a very interesting sort of uh, you know, tactical view on the game. But it's it's, it's one that's pretty, very difficult to actually get implemented um, over this sort of short period of time with the players. And I do wonder to to what extent as well. Could it be that it's not all about Lionel Messi and, and the likes of you know, Juan Paolo Dybala comes to the fore and maybe has his his own moments in the tournament? But yeah, very interesting for sure. Um, and as you mentioned, I think Croatia likely to progress there. But I- Iceland, a huge achievement, massive for them. Nigeria, I'm sure, will provide entertainment as well with some of their talent. Um, Iceland, looking forward to that chant again, really. Let's face it, looking forward to that. Um, Group E, of course, are Brazil, I think many people's favourites. Uh, Costa Rica, um, Serbia, and Switzerland. Of course, um, you, perhaps one player from Switzerland might be joining the Reds not 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 too long in the future. But um, guy, I mean, on this one, um, I mean, Brazil, Costa Rica, Serbia, Switzerland. Um, I want you to focus on, I guess, Brazil. You know, they're the big story here. I mean, people thinking this is this is the group of players that will do it uh, for the first time in a while now. Um, but are, are there any? Any other stories in that group that you think that are worth focusing on? Um, no, <laughs> pretty much. Um, Switzerland. I mean, the only thing I can think of is Shakiri's going to do his similarly to Tim Cahill, his worldy do a madness, his, his tournament worldy. Yeah, just just waiting for that. Um, Costa Rica. Um, they got to was it the quarterfinal they got to, and then there was the mad LVG penalty shootout. I think, oh, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Tim Cruel, the Tim Cruel moment. Jesus Christ! Um, but no, I mean the re- the rest of it. I mean Brazil, similarly to pretty much the others we mentioned, should should walk this group. Um, Serbia is a weird one because I mean they they obviously have this kind of young group of talent. I mean Mitrovic, we obviously know from the Premier League. Shame that Markovic isn't <laughs> um, the poor lad. Um, but Milinkovic Savic, who's obviously been touted as the, the best yes. young midfielder in the world and touted for a hundred million, um, whatever, whatever currency, um, been linked with United or uh, Real Madrid, any anyone, anyone and everyone. So it'll be interesting to see um, if he, if he can do it on a big stage. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know a lot about Serbia. Um, Branislav Ivanovic. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just uh, think Matic, their uh, issue. I think their issue is they've already scored the goal of the sort of the tournament prior to the tournament. So. Oh yeah, uh, Jesus Christ! I'm not sure if we saw that one, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm sure how they're going to top that. But yeah, Serbia, there's plenty of talent in there. Talic as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they may they may be an outside outside bet um, to get second here because Switzerland seem to be that that team. Can't not maybe a, a tier below Croatia where they, they seem to have some talent in the squad, but don't really have that level to kick on. I mean, Shakiri linked with us and seemingly. I'm not going to say it imminent anymore because use that with Fakir, Fakir and it doesn't happen. So Shakiri's linked with us, so it might happen. Um, and then the, they've got that Akanji who was linked with us last summer and, and Zakaria, I think. So they seem to have some talent in that squad. But Serbia, if if Milinkovic Savage is what he's built to be by, I'm going to say Twitter experts, but Daniel Dave Hendrick's a big fan of him and stuff like that. But if, if he's as good as his reputation, I mean, Serbia could have the. The bit, the spark in their squad to get second here, and Costa Rica. I literally only know Kayla Navas and Brian Ruiz, so I'm not going. I'm not going to lie about them. So maybe I think Serbia will be my outside bet to get second here. 
for sure. But with with Brazil, then I guess yeah, to focus on the team that so many are sort of picking as their favourites for the tournament. Then I mean, all the talent that we know that, that they do possess. Finally, a coach that seems to be getting them playing you know, well again. Um, some players there that we're watching, of course. Um, Tom, what do you make of you know, God? Allison's there, you know, um, Miranda, you, Marcello, uh, Felipe Luis, Thiago Silva. They're, they're stacked with talent as well. We know them in, in terms of the players that we're going to be seeing. Neymar, of course, you know, a big tournament for him. Uh, you know, Coutinho, you know, God. And, uh, of course, our own Bobby Firmino as well. Um, is this cut and dry, this group, then, in, in your opinion, in terms of how you know, Brazil should comfortably finish top? Um, and then it's a fight between, you'd say, maybe Serbia and Switzerland with Costa Rica, uh, capable of pulling off a big result um, potentially, but um, likely to you know, be Serbia and Switzerland in fighting for second place here. I mean, Brazil look so intimidating on paper. And the problem the problem for other teams is that Brazil are not just good on paper. There's a lot of teams in this tournament where you kind of look at them and you go, yeah, they're good on paper. Or, yeah, yeah, because they, they won their group so comfortably. But the difference between the European qualifications and what you get in South America is in South America, you play everyone. And in South America, you play everyone a couple of times. So you can really start to get a picture of how good this Brazil team is. And they absolutely destroyed qualification. Um, Tite came in and Tite just made them something completely different. Um, Tite just absolutely changed the game. And he got this team firing. And this is a team that are in a really, really strong position. Um, they've got options. They've got... They're able, they're, this is a Brazil team that four years ago were not able to absorb the injury to Neymar. This is a Brazil team now that look like they could absorb a lot of injuries. Um, their centre-back partnership, Marquinhos and Miranda, potentially Thiago Silva as well. So they've got three options for two positions of centre-back. They've got two world-class goalkeepers. They've got options at left-back, options at right-back. They've got options in the midfield. Casemiro is obviously the preferred option in DM, but they've got the likes of Renato Augusto who can play there. Paulinho and Coutinho seem to be the favourites in that position at the moment. Wide, we could see Coutinho play wide, of course. Willian seems to be at the moment preferred to that extra man in the midfield. Um, so they've got options wide, they've got options in midfield. And then, of course, up top, they've got two legitimately brilliant strikers in Bobby Firmino and Gabriel Jesus, um, both of whom seem to integrate into that side really, really well. So Brazil are a team that are multifaceted, that have got strengths in every single area, they've got depth in every single area. Um, and most importantly, they are a team that are cohesive. And we, we talked about this, you know, the likes of France, the likes of Argentina, even Spain to an extent. They're really strong teams that just haven't quite been able to connect the dots. This Brazil team right now looks like it's connected the dots. Um, the only issue for Brazil is, again, maybe not, it's not going to be as bad as it was in 2014 because they're not going to be at home, but it's expectation, the weight of that expectation. Um, because, you know, in Brazil, they are expected to win this tournament. If if Brazil do not win this tournament, they are going. They're going to go home and be considered failures. That's part of the issue that any Brazil team has to deal with, um, and they have got that mental block as well. And the truth is, if something does happen to Neymar, if he picks up a niggle, if they run up against the Germans moderately early in the tournament, which again could happen, we don't know yet. Um, it's just the mental mental aspect of it. Really, is this Brazil side capable of shaking off a shock result? And if something does happen, if they do go one 0 down in a big game, are they capable of turning it back around? I mean, they you'd you'd say with the players they've got, they've got enough players in that team who have got enough big game experience that it shouldn't be an issue. But you just don't know. Um, this Brazil team is probably is probably 
the team in the tournament most likely to live up to the hype. And if we're being completely honest, this this team have to be favourites for the tournament um, because they are the best team in the tournament. Uh, whether or not they win the tournament uh, is a different question entirely, but they will win this group because there's no one in that group who's going to threaten them. Um, I think this group is one of those where the more I look at it, the more interested I am because uh, on paper, I thought the Swiss would be pretty comfortable second place. But the more you look at Serbia's squad, you think, yeah, Serbia could really give Switzerland some real issues here. Um, Switzerland, of course, I think a lot of people may be underestimating them, but they did walk their qualification. They properly walked their qualification. Um, you know, they only finished behind Portugal on goal difference. They won nine games out of ten. So this is, uh, it might not be goal difference, sorry, it was head to head. But either way, they won nine games out of ten in qualification. So this Swiss side are not necessarily going to be going to roll over. And Costa Rica are obviously the wild cards in this group. Um, but I, I suspect it will be between Serbia and Switzerland for second place. Yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense to me. I think you, you're right as well to both of you with Brazil, just to highlight mentality and uh, just how tough they'll be under un, under some of the biggest pressure that they'll ever have come under. Um, is I think that that's really the big question. Talent, even the cohesion, to be honest, uh, this time around isn't really a question. So on to Group F and um, Germany, the other big favourites, Mexico, South Korea and Sweden. Guy, in this group, Couple stories. I mean, the nice one about Rafa Marquez being, yeah, is this his you know, third World Cup now? Maybe four. I can't remember. But he's 39 years old. Um, incredible achievement to be coming to the World Cup and rep- representing your nation again. Um, Germany, though, um, view, highly viewed as some of the other favourites um, you know, for the competition. Can they click? Can they do it again? You know, win back-to-back tournaments. Um, Zlatan obviously not here this time round. So. so Less of a show for Sweden, I guess, but um, South Korea as well, capable of pull- pulling off a big result. So what do you make of this group? Is it is it Germany, uh, the ones to follow, and how do you think they're going to fare this World Cup? Um, the, the weird thing with Germany is they never seem to do awful in World Cups. Like, I mean, France and Italy, obviously the other big European clubs and, and Spain, but France and Italy obviously have history of literally like going out in the group stages when, when they were like favourites to win the tournament and stuff like that. Germany seemed to like get to the semi-final as a bare minimum. So may, maybe the squad's aged a bit and, and obviously the, Leroy Sane is probably the big, the big young hope and, and he's not performed on the German stage and he's not been taken to the World Cup and I'm not, I'm not sure what rest of the young talent is. I mean, Emery Chan didn't get in the midfield. I mean, they've took Goretzka and stuff like that, but maybe they're still reliant on um, Kadira, Gundogan, uh, Cruz and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe they've gone, maybe they've gone a bit over the top age wise, but squad wise, I mean, they're still the strong, they're probably the strongest mm. squad in the, in the tournament, maybe not first team, but in terms of squad, them and France, for me, probably got that, that strength there um but yeah this group germany again should should walk it and the rest of it's quite interesting because mexico seem to seem to do well in world cups i'm not sure how the, if they get out of um groups and into the, into the knockout stages that well but they always seem to get the group of death and then kind of do okay and not not be kind of embarrassed um so i don't know a lot about mexico um but maybe chikorito can inspire them to get second but i Sweden, as you said, knows Latin. I think Forsberg's probably their their big hope now from Leipzig. I mean, I think he was linked with Milan and stuff like that. So maybe as a team, they've improved with Latin not there and the kind of 
more of a team rather than about one individual. Um, whereas South Korea seemed to be about one individual in in uh, Young Min Sun from Tottenham. <laughs> I think he's got his own like TV channels and stuff dedicated to him over there. <laughs> so um, it's weird. I think I think South Korea. Um, Maybe a surprise here and get second. I mean, maybe I'm rating Hyung Min Sun a bit too much here, but I think they've. I'm not a European football expert. I think they've kind of got quite a a bit of t- uh, players, quite a few players in in European football now. So maybe maybe they're more may, more ready than they were in previous ones. I mean, they did well in in the Home World Cup back in 2002, but I'm not sure how they've done since then. But I think Sweden. We know what they'll be. They'll probably be. Um, Boring and defensive and hope for the best. Whereas Mexico, well, if if they play, I hope they're not playing Rafa Marquez because I think he played in that two thousand two World Cup, which kind of <laughs> speaks volumes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I'm not. I'd I'd quite like to see an Asian team do well because it, I don't think many have done that well. So it'd be quite nice to see South Korea get. I think they got to the quarterfinal in their home one. So it'd be nice to see them do well. Yeah, nothing going on politically that could possibly distract them either. So no, that's no. Perfect. That's perfect as well. With, with, with Germany as well, it's an interesting one as well. You've got Neuer who's just come back from a long, long injury out. Some of those defenders, as you mentioned, some of the players in general, you think, are mm. they just on the slide now? Who knows? And a little bit similar to Spain in the way in terms of like one of the big questions around Germany has been how they make it click up front since they lost Closer, um, it doesn't, or Miroslav Closer. There didn't seem to be any sort of real, you know, completely... Um, on fire goal score. We've got Timo Werner, um, of course, from Leipzig and, and Gomez up front. Um, and of course, there is Thomas Muller, who used to, I think, be Mr. Reliable on the, on the international stage, but seemed to sort of just leave him a little bit in, in, in the more recent tournaments that we've seen him in, you know, perhaps not quite as prolific as we imagine. Also, in, in his, his club form as well. So, be interesting to see what, how he performs at the tournament as well. Tom, not going to spend too much longer on this one because because I'm conscious of the of the time that we have on the other groups. But um, Germany for you, I mean, the other big sort of favourite for the for the tournament. They have to be. I think the guy's right. Um, the only question, the big question over Germany is whether or not they've just relied on the same squad for too long. We've seen it before where teams go to a World Cup with pretty much the same team that did really well in the previous one and they just run out of steam because the squad is a bit is four years older, hasn't really developed enough, hasn't really moved forward enough. Um, I think this Germany team might be one of those where we see them in four years' time and they've got an, a team of absolute world beaters, but for the moment, they might just be a bit too reliant on some of the old guard. That's the question. Um, looking at the rest of the group briefly, uh, I fancy Mexico. I've, I've watched Sweden play against Italy. They're very, very average. Um, they're, they're, very, they're a good unit, but there's nothing special about them. They haven't really got any sort of spark. Um, and South Korea, have they limped through qualification. So they, they really... Did limp and they, they, you know, the Asian league. They, there are not that many special teams in Asia. You're looking at this World Cup. You've got Japan and Iran, both of whom were more impressive than South Korean qualification, which pretty much says it all about them. So yeah, Mexico for me, probably just ahead of Sweden. But really, if, I mean, I mean, the, I was just reading the preview, and the, the Mexican journalist put it best: the chances of any team other than Germany in this group getting a fifth game in, in the World Cup are, are very, very slim. Yeah, for sure. I think it makes sense. But on to Group G then. Um, yeah, Belgium, of course. Uh, Panama, Tunisia, and England, of course. Uh, Gareth Southgate taking the boys, taking the boys over to Russia. Um, and uh, yeah, Sterling's going to inspire, inspire a nation. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure it'll be on, on the front cover of the Daily Mail. I'm, I can't wait for it, guy. I mean, it's going to be 
inescapable this group really in terms of the focus on it, the analysis of it, um, uh, the analysis of it rather, and um, you know, Tunisia and Panama almost being written off already in terms of just the size of the those nations comparative to England and Belgium when it comes to football. Belgium, of course, stacked with talent as well. Another team we'd be focusing on here who is this their tournament? You know, a generation um, of talent in all areas of the pitch um, expected, I guess, to top the group. Um, England with the being the other nation that you'd expect to get out of there in terms of talent-wise, can they do it? Um, your opinion on this group then, Guy, and um, I guess your opinion on England as well uh, with Belgium. I think there's so much to talk about here. Maybe I'll bring that to Tom following it. But um, how, how will this England side do uh, in this World Cup, do you think? Um, I think if I think if the I think getting out if they get out the group that that's the bare minimum really. Yeah. Um, but I think if they get past the first knockout stage, I think obviously Group H isn't the strongest. I think Poland are favourite for that one, but we'll obviously get under that. But say if England comes second to Belgium, which seems to be the most likely outcome, if if they can get past Poland or whoever finishes top of Group H, I think that would be a really good tournament. Uh, obviously, not winning. It is never. It's never going to be a raging success. But this England team, it, it's not the same. It's not got Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, all in the prime of the career. Now we've got pretty much Sterling, Kane, Deli Ali, and then the rest aren't, aren't that inspiring. So I think it seems a more humble bunch, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah, it, it seems to. I think throughout the years on BT, obviously quite a lot of the England golden generation have been pundits and have talked. They've talked about how. As a squad, they just didn't really click because they were obviously uh, throughout the season they were seen as enemies, and you don't want to you don't want to gel with your enemy. Um, whereas now, pretty much the only top two talents or top tier talents is, is Sterling, Kane, Ali, uh, Danny Rose. They're the ones who play at the top teams, and and uh, Henderson and a couple for us. Um, but there seem there seems to be less ego in in the squad and stuff like that, and there seem to be quite a humble bunch. I mean, the Sterling um, against the Sun and the Daily Mail, it, it it seems to have brought the squad together a bit, like a bit more and a bit more protective of each other. And I think Gareth Southgate's obviously a shitload young, younger than Roy Hodgson, so maybe he can connect with um, the squad on a on a more personal basis. Obviously, I know he's retired, probably retired 10, 15 years now, but it's a lot longer than a million years ago for Roy Hodgson. <laughs> um, so maybe Southgate, he, he's obviously not the most inspiring um, appointment, but that's what Capello was, and he, he, he screwed up our goals, and he, he screwed up 2010, so maybe Gareth Southgate, who's had some of these for the under twenty ones or under twenty threes, whatever they call it. Um, it, it. It might be the way to go. So, I'm I, I'm not going to predict us to get past the quarterfinals, but I think we'll see a more promising version of England. I think we seem to be set tactically with this three five two kind of thing. Um, it's just the fact. Hopefully, we don't get any like false dawns and say if we batter Belgium <laughs> and then get expectations because we know Belgium are probably just as big a bottlers as England are. <laughs> That's the problem there. But um, if a quarter final would be really good for England, and uh, if we're going to Belgium, um, well, we talked about some of the impressive squads in this tournament, and Belgium just seem can't seem to be able to find a left back, and then hiring Roberto Martinez for some bloody reason I mean really <laughs> um, they're, they're just in a mess uh, disrespectful disrespectful yeah. no he deserves <laughs> it I mean playing a free at the back and putting Carrasco who got seemingly 
booted out of Atletico Madrid for not being a Diego Simeone player is now playing left wing back. Wing back. It's like that just does not make sense to me at all. Um, and they just think they just they should be one of the favourites for the tournament. And if they, if they went out of the quarterfinal stage, I don't think anyone would blink an eye. It's stupid. How can a team with Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne and, and the Spurs centre backs and Thibaut Courtois is probably one of the best keepers in the world? It's like how 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 could you not have any expectation? Um, I I just can't see them winning the tournament at all. Um, and that that's just a real shame because if our golden generation was meant to be good, I mean theirs is theirs is stupid. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely packed with talent in that team. And um, England, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a more of a different story there, as you mentioned. Perhaps a bit more uh, humble this time. I think the manager often sets sort of the mood amongst the camp, the sort of the personality of the camp. And it, 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 without saying he was like Hodgson in terms of sort of the sheer lowering of expectations that Hodgson used to be involved with. I think Southgate's been you know, a bit more light touch, a bit more understanding here. Um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, you, there's a Sterling, sort of his sort of tackles with the media prior to this tournament, they just seemed determined to drag him down. And then um, even if you go to someone like Danny Rose sort of speaking so openly about depression and mental illness and, and the camp coming together around that to support him, I think it's going to be... Yeah, they do seem more of a group this time. Um, Tom, in terms of this group, uh, uh, yeah, Belgium, the other story that we haven't really, you know, we touched upon lightly there in terms of the sheer talent they possess, but seemingly yeah, yeah, lacking in expectation this time around. Yeah, Martinez, yeah, very little experience on this stage. Um, and England, of course, the other big... Um, story from the group in terms of just, you know, I'm sure we're going to have endless coverage of them. Um, what do you make of the group and uh, are Belgium the other sort of, uh, sort of semi-narrative of, of, of the tournament? Yeah, Belgium are one of those teams that have got a lot of narrative about them. Um, I talk, I keep mentioning how stacked the top half of the draw is. That's because I think there's absolutely now to all in the bottom half. I think Germany and Brazil are going to walk to the semi-finals because I don't think there's anyone in either this group or Group H that could threaten them, um, apart from possibly Colombia, who we'll come to in a minute. Um, England then. Uh, I like Southgate. I actually think Southgate's really likable chap. I think he strikes me as a very sensible polite, very well-spoken. The sort of He's a nice man. He's the sort of guy you want to get behind and I think that that's the sort of thing that I think England maybe need right now because they've got a team of youngsters who are talented but not insanely talented. So we've got a lot of players that are good enough that are, they're, they're very good and they need a bit of managing, but none of them are really massive egos. I mean, we talk about golden generations. Uh, this isn't an England golden generation, but it, it's not it's not a rank average squad either. There's a lot of issues with it, but I think this is the sort of team that maybe, maybe we need. Maybe England need a team that's just a bit... Bit less good on paper, but a bit more together, a bit a bit better. I still, I mean, I agree with Guy. I think Guy's pretty much hit the nail on the head. We we depending on what happens in Group H and depending on how we do against Belgium, I think we'll beat Belgium. By the way, I think we'll top the group, and I think that's going to hurt us in the long run because I think we might have had a shot against the Germans. But if we if we top the group and come up against Brazil in the in the quarterfinals, that's it, game over. Don't even bother turning up. Um, I, as I say, I think this England team England team are, are maybe better than they've been in previous years. They're not even close to Brazil. Um, so yeah, quarterfinals would be a decent run in. Uh, last sixteen's obviously last. Anything less than last sixteen is not acceptable. Depending on what happens in the last sixteen, maybe going out on that stage would be fine. Quarterfinals would be a good result. Um, looking at Belgium, then, God, look, it, it must be not. It's quite actually quite amusing to look at a golden generation and watch them get absolutely thrown down the toilet to an extent. It's kind of nice for it not to be happening to us. 
because this Belgium side is absolutely insanely talented, but it's going to get absolutely nowhere in this tournament because Martinez is a donkey. They have no cohesion. <laughs> they don't look like they're going to... They do not look like they're going to come together. They got beaten by Wales, for God's sake, in twenty in 2016, and they do not look like they've improved one iota since then. Mighty um, Wales. Mighty <laughs> Wales. Jesus Christ. On, honestly, though, I don't... I'd be surprised... I'd be impressed if this Belgium team did better than England in this tournament. I think they're very much of a level for different reasons. I think both of them could be both of them could be looking at quarter last sixteen and going, yeah, all right, last sixteen's probably about where they should end up. Uh just in terms of how I think they're gonna do Belgium obviously if they don't make the semi-finals it's a bit of a travesty. But I honestly don't think they will. Um I think Belgium I mean to be well I, maybe it's not a travesty if they don't reach the semi-finals because if Belgium do as well as they can do they'll come up against Brazil and they won't beat Brazil so so maybe yeah quarterfinals is probably where you would expect Belgium to end up but I honestly could see them losing to Poland Senegal or Colombia I really don't think there's anything special there um I think well no there is but cohesively there's nothing special do you know what I mean you watch them play and they seem to have a plan A and a plan B and their plan A is lump it up to Lukaku and their plan B is give the ball to Hazard that's basically all they've got um they struggle to get the likes of De Bruyne in the game. They just don't... Their midfield is really average and it's really frustrating because they've got so many great midfield players, but they're going to play... They're going to play a 3-4-3. Three, three. They're going to play a two-man midfield. One of those two is going to be De Bruyne. The other one's going to be a bit crap and they're going to get overrun in midfield. If they come up against someone who's got a decent midfield... Actually, to be fair, if they do come up against Colombia, who will come to me, that might play to Belgium's strengths because Colombia haven't really got a midfield either. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Belgium, but realistically... For Group G and Group H, the the ceiling is the quarterfinals because Brazil and Brazil and Germany are going to romp it to the semis, really. Of course, some some scathing commentary there on Belgium. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be tough. When we're sort of eating our words when Adnan Yanazai and uh, and Carrasco lead them lead them to glory in this tournament. It's going to be it's going to be tough. But uh, just just moving on to the last group then, and uh, you mentioned Colombia there, Japan, Poland, Senegal, you know, Sadio's. Yeah, taking them to the World Cup as well, so, see what he can do in this tournament. Certainly rooting for him. Um, uh, Guy, so final group we're going to be previewing here before we sort of talk about just, just briefly about predictions uh, right at the start of the tournament. But um, as sort of Tom's already alluded to, to the the tournament being stacked in, in, in the top half in terms of the talent, Colombia here would be the obvious choice to, to qualify with Poland, perhaps. Uh, second, but you know Senegal do have talent. They do possess talent as well. Uh, Japan, um, you know, tidy as well. Um, what do you make as, as the big story of this group? Is it Colombia and, and, and as simple as Colombia and Poland fighting it out with Senegal? Um, I think so. I mean, Japan. I'm not sure. I think Kenzuki Honda or however you pronounce his name is the only one I really know. The kit's beautiful. We've already mentioned that. I mean, that, yeah, that's all you. They need. can't live up to it. Uh, no, I don't. Well, Nigeria would be like need to be Brazil, nineteen seventy, to live up to that kit. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, this this is quite an intriguing group because some of, as we've mentioned, some of them just have an absolute dominant favourite. Um, in this one, they, are, they seem to be all kind of levelish. I mean, Poland obviously have Lewandowski and. Um, yeah, I mean, couple couple good centre backs and decent midfielders like Zelinski and stuff like that, and. Um, Senegal have Mane, Colombia have James, and Japan have Kenzuki Honda. So this might be this might be one about who whose star performs most. I mean, um, James was probably the best player at the last World Cup, um, if I remember correctly. Um, so if he if he can step up his level, I think uh, Bayern he seems to have found he seems to have found um, 
a, a new home for him after his Real Madrid stuff. Um, but this is quite an interesting one. So I think it will be the freeway fight. I think Poland for me would be favourites because Lewandowski for me is probably top three strikers in the world. Um, and I predicted Senegal, but that might be Sadio Mane blinkers on. Um, but Colombia, if if Hamas can do Hamas things, I think they they can again be the surprise package of the tournament. I think they got to the quarterfinals last time. Um, and kind of unlucky uh, that time, so may- maybe they maybe they still got that level in them. But I think Poland should definitely go through and sen- be sen- Senegal versus Colombia for me. Falcao and Bakker in there as well. There's a, some plenty, plenty of talented players there. Some, mm. some names we perhaps forgotten about. But um, Tom, this group is it more competitive than sort of most of the ones we've actually previewed so far. Because they're not being one outstanding team. You'd say Colombia perhaps do have more strength than the rest of them in terms of. Uh, you know, throughout their squad, but could be more competitive than you'd uh, than you'd initially think. This is going to be a really interesting group. Um, Japan are probably dead because they sacked their manager two months ago, and that's never a good sign, is it? Two months before a World Cup, um, so that's probably that's probably enough of them. Um, I reckon Colombia could go really deep in this tournament. Um, I think they've got a lot of talented players. They've got a lot of cohesiveness. They've got a really interesting squad. So I think Colombia could easily even make the semi-finals. I've, I've just got that sneaking suspicion about, and that's my sort of dark horse shout for the tournament. Um, Poland are interesting. A lot of people kind of always say Poland are the dark horses for the tournament, and then they never end up being the dark horses. So I think you'd be, I, I don't think Poland will be dark horses. Um, I don't think Poland will get further than the last 16. Um, but I think, feel as though they probably should make it out of the group, but then I've just had a look at Senegal's team, and they've got some good players, and they've got enough good players to make an impact, so it really is going to be a tight one to call. Right now, I'm going to say Colombia 1, Poland 2, but that, that you know, that any of those three could make finish any of those top three spots. Um, in terms of longevity, as I say, I don't think Poland or Senegal will get further than the last 16, maybe the last eight, depending on how crap England and Belgium are. But Colombia are the only ones I could see giving the Germans a run for their money. I think the other two probably are going to hit a brick wall sooner rather than later. You mentioned Senegal, the Koulibaly, of course, Kiate from the Premier League, uh, Gaze in the, from the Premier League, and Dai from the Premier League. Got quite a lot, like a lot of experience there. Moussa So, Niang, yeah. Um, Diafra Sacco, and of course Mane as well, Keita Balde. So they do have plenty of talent. They're perhaps a bit front stacked, but... Yeah, sure to be interesting as well. So, guys, I mean, it's so much to talk about there. I think we, we, we could easily have gone on and, and sort of focus on all these individual narratives even more because there's, there's plenty to talk about. And we'll be doing that throughout these pods, um, for the duration of the World Cup, maybe focusing on some of the more interesting stories that, that, that pop out at us, um, throughout the tournament. But just right now, I think it'd be good just before we wrap the pod up, just to get these early predictions in. They're always fun to look back at, um, at the end. So, uh, for both of you, I'm going to start with you, Guy, first. Um, I want your so your predicted winner, um, your predicted golden boot, um, and then also, um, rather than golden glove, sorry, goalkeepers, we're going to be focusing on uh, a player that you think is going to be the, um, the the big story from the tournament, who's going to have that incredible uh, tournament. So, uh, yeah, Guy, come to you first on those. Ooh, I'll save winner till last. Um, I think... In terms of um, surprise package, I'll go Uruguay. I know Tom just mentioned Colombia there. I'll go Uruguay as my surprise package. Um, in terms of golden boot, I think Uruguay in their group 
Um, I think it'll be between Cavani and Suarez. So I think I'll I'll go Cavani. Um, as I, I said in the preview, I think it'll be I think he may be the one who's scoring the goals. In terms of surprise, though, either way, I think it may be Argentina because Argentina will either a be really disappointing or they'll just messy their way to the final, <laughs> maybe win it. Um, and I, I I'd really love Argentina to win it. Um, just to just to dispel that. Messi's a big bottle of nonsense, and that's why Ronaldo's better than him and all that stuff. But um, if it's not Argentina, I think I'm going to say France because I I, I don't want to be boring and say Brazil or or Germany. Um, but I'll say France because their squad, if it if it clicks, which is a big if, it it's definitely it's probably the best in the tournament. You know, I see I see what you mean there. I mean, from Tom coming to you on exactly the same questions then. Um, who you think is going to win the tournament? Uh, who you think is going to be the big surprise, whether it be a player or the country itself? And then, of course, um, the Golden Boot winner. Right, so I'm going to start with surprise package. I'm going to go with Peru, and I'm going to go with their captain, Guerrero, who I think is has got the potential to be one of those players who does a James Rodriguez and just kind of steps out of the spotlight and just kind of makes something happen and I mean Guy could be bang on about about um Argentina. Uh, Argentina and France are the two big teams most susceptible to falling apart against someone like Peru and Peru are gonna play potentially play both of them. They have got the potential to either knock France off top spot or then knock Argentina out of the tournament. So I can definitely see them doing one of those two things. Um assuming Argentina don't get knocked out by Peru in the last 16, I'm predicting Messi to get the golden boot because I just think he's too good. And I just think this is going to be the sort of tournament where he's going to step up. Um, in terms of winner, it's not going to be France. Um, I'm going to say that now. I'm going to, I'm going to, be, I am going to, no, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say France are not going to make it. I'd be surprised if France made the semifinals. And if they do make the semifinals, they're going to get slaughtered. That's my prediction. And it's probably a bad one, but it's my prediction. Um, so the French, no, um, on paper, it's probably Brazil, but I don't want to say Brazil. So I'm actually going to say Spain because I, I don't think they're necessarily a surprise because I think on paper, they're probably the third favorites, but I think this Spanish side have just got one last tournament in them and I think they're going to click and I can just see something happening. I really can. In terms of, yeah, big disappointments, it's either, it's going to be someone in the top half. I think the bottom half is going to be really interesting because, um, in the bottom half, you've got two teams who are probably going to make the semis in Germany and Brazil. But then that's that leaves a lot of scope for one of the other one of the other teams that maybe aren't necessarily quite so rated to go and do something. Maybe a Colombia. But the top half is where all the action is because um, you've got Argentina, Spain, France, and, po- and Portugal all fighting it out for two spots. And that's where I think Spain. I can't see not making the semis. So with the three of, with the other three teams scra- scrapping for one spot, I actually think Portugal could make the semis, which would mean both France and Argentina. Oh end up having a really disappointing tournament and that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't see a sm- can't see that Cristiano's smug face, uh, again. I mean, for me, I think, I, I guess the head tells you Brazil in terms of the winners of the tournament, but I, I am sort of holding out hope either for Spain to roll back the years, uh, in, in one last hurrah or for, and I think as Guy alluded to there for, for the Lionel Messi just to silence people forever, really, and, um, somehow drag this team or, you know, inspire this team to to click in a way it just has never shown any indication of doing. Um, it has a golden boot. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Suarez. I th- alternate with Cavani there. Um, 
so yeah, and, and biggest surprise for me, who do I think it's going to be? Um, I'm going to go with the biggest surprise, Colombia. Yeah, I think I, th- I think as you mentioned there, just talking me through it. I think, yeah, I do do fancy them to go a bit deeper into the tournament than perhaps I thought originally. Uh, lots of talent there, and again, some last hurrahs for some of those players in that team as well. So. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that for sure. But guys, it's been, been a mammoth pod here, so as we sort of expected it to be with the you know the very first one covering you know, all these groups, all these stories, um, you know, plenty we've not covered, and uh, I'm guessing plenty of smaller teams that we've not focused on enough. But we will do throughout the tournament as as the games come thick and fast. And I um, just want to thank you both for helping helping us previously. It's been fantastic and plenty of detail there. And I guess now just. All, all that remains is to, for us to count down to that World Cup. It's now two days, 18 hours, and uh, and one minute till the World Cup kicks off. And yeah, we really hope that you you stay with us here on AI as we cover um, all the big talking points throughout the tournament. So uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll seem to be back very shortly. Network.